Why don't we all stand together? If we can enter into a, enter into the presence of the Lord and entertain Him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, blessed be your name. Father, we come before you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray lead us tonight, Father, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Your ministry, Lord. Your ministry, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our worship and praise to him. Father, we come together, Lord God, to praise and worship you, Lord. We come together, Lord God, in faith, believing, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord God. We lift you up, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, entertain him. He andoria masiotoria. Iriosiandoria masiotoria. He atoria siondoria. Iriosiandoria masiotoria. Father, Lord God, every thought, Jesus, let it be upon you tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I worship you, I worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord. We worship you tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful for his mighty presence here tonight. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, real quickly before we're seated, I just had a um, scripture come into my mind in uh, the book of Jeremiah 23. And just thinking about just thinking about the power of the word of God and uh, Jeremiah 23 and verse 22. And it says, it says, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. And there's a lot there's a lot here in this chapter, but but the basis of this verse is if we're willing to get into the counsel and the presence of God and get a word directly from God, and the power of the word of God, the, the word of God has the power to turn us from evil. And as a result of hearing the word of God and then, and then others hearing the word of God, we should see people that are turned from evil, that are turned from darkness into his marvelous light. And so it's, it's a challenge to me. It is, I, I believe it's a challenge to all of us as, because all of us in the body are ministers of Christ and all of us have the ability to hear the word of God. And I know that it's his desire as his people for each of us to hear his voice and so as we hear his voice, as, as we become oracles and as we are mouthpieces and just repeat his words, we'll begin to see people around us that just that turn, that change, that say, look, I realize there's something in you that's different. I don't know exactly what it is, but I want to fellowship with that. I want to have a relationship with, with that. And so it just encourages me, reminds me of, of the power of the word of God. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us. Um, before we're seated, I, I, I'm just going to take a couple minutes tonight, but before we're seated, I wonder if we can just one more time reach out to the Lord and ask him to have his way in this service and that his word would be what is spoken and what we hear today. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Father. We humble ourselves in your presence today, Jesus. 
God, I pray that you would honor our time and your counsel, Lord, that we would hear your word today, Father, that you would direct us, order our steps, Father, direct our paths this evening and send us out, I pray, send us out with the word from the throne room of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Have your way in the name of Jesus. Let your will be done. Amen. You can be seated this evening. Uh, I've been thinking a little bit about, uh, about friendships recently and sort of how how that works and how it's supposed to work and you know we we see and read in scripture and know that the bible says that that the lord that he's a friend that sticks closer than than a brother and so i it's just one of those things i do with i don't know if it's just my personality who i am whatever but i kind of try to just in look in inward and see okay how can i get better in these areas and friendships is kind of one of those things and and so um, it's funny, I, I was, as I was praying for service, I kind of thought of this, you know, it, our dad a lot of times will, will mention his kids and when he ministers. And so I thought maybe this is my, my opportunity to kind of use an example of, of our dad, but I'm not going not to try to get anyone in trouble here. But, um, but I just, I had this, I had this thought of, of when I was, when I was younger, um, so not too long ago, but when I was a little bit younger, uh, there came this point when, for whatever reason, you know, and, and it's, it's an example he's used before too, of for whatever reason, we get to a certain age and we think, okay, now I have it all figured out. And I don't know why that is, but we just kind of think that, you know, and I'm sure all of us have gone through that. And if you're a little kid and you don't think you've gone through that, maybe you're in the middle of that <laughs> or you're about to come into that. But Sometimes we, we just think we've got it figured out. And so I got to that point in my life, probably 16 years old. And for whatever reason, because of that, I, I started to kind of resist the wisdom and, and the counsel um, of my father and my earthly father, you know, and, and probably with that, the counsel of my heavenly father, because I was at a point where, you know, thought I had it figured out. So you know, so why do I need counsel? Why do I need direction? And it's silly, you know, looking back, it's crazy. It's been 16, it's been almost 10 years ago. But um, anyway, (laughs) but one of the things I realized is that the relationship with my father, it definitely, it it took a, I guess you could say it took a hit in that time. And, um, you know, and and I finally got to the point where I, I just sort of stepped back and was like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, no, no matter how old I get, you know, I, I realized I just, something just hit me. Maybe it was reading the word and seeing how the Lord's our, our father, but something just hit me and made me realize that no matter how old I get, my, my father still going to be my father, you know, and, and some friends, and I, I kind of had to learn the hard way growing up a lot of times that we would move and some friends, they, they were only friends for a season. And, uh, you know, it may not have been because of my lack of effort. I, there had been times because of, because of, you know, social media or because of phones. We, I would try to reach out and try to keep those friendships. And for whatever reason, it, it seemed okay because if there wasn't a, a two-way desire, if there, wasn't, if there wasn't, you know, that purpose for having that friendship on both ends, then the friendship wasn't going to continue. And if I'm no longer in the vicinity or if I'm no longer in close proximity to to some of those people, then, you know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, the principle. And so it is easy for, and I realize it's something my dad told me a lot growing up anyway, that some friendships are just for a season. And um, so anyway, but I, I, so I got to this point of realization with my father, and I just knew, okay, look, I, I got to change something because he's going to be my father my whole life, whether we have a good relationship or not, and I'd really rather it be a good relationship, and so I just, I made the decision. I said, you know what? Um, 
And it's, again, it seems kind of silly looking back, but I just decided, you know what, to have a good relationship, we probably should talk, <laughs> right? We should probably probably have a conversation every now and then. And, uh, and it's not that we weren't, but it, oftentimes when, when he would try, which was more often than I would try, that usually I would, you know, kind of close my ears or just turn away, you know. Um, again, I thought I had it figured out, thought I, you know, had think, thought I was on the right track. And, um, and so I decided, okay, that enough with this. And it didn't get fixed overnight, right? Because you spend so much time kind of in resistance, then you're going to have to spend some more time to get that, to get a relationship repaired. And so I, I remember, and I'll never forget just for, I don't know how long it was, and we still do it sometimes, but for a while, I I just decided, you know what? Every week, what I'm going to do is, uh, le- like, just let's just meet for for coffee, and go and have a conversation. <laughs> and um, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, like <laughs> we lived in the same house. <laughs> Um, I'm going somewhere <laughs> eventually. <laughs> we lived in... <laughs> You know, we still lived in the same house. I was 16. <laughs> and, um, but because, because for whatever reason, I, um, you know, I, I guess just got to the point that I didn't think that um, it was a relationship at, at the time that, needed to be pursued right like uh, maybe once once you get older and I, I I guess I think think now it, it is important um, but when you're a kid you don't really think okay I need to pursue this relationship with with my father <laughs> um, and different relationships would come along you know that seem more important at the time and and so like I said, we could we could still be in the same house every single day, you know, see each other in passing, talk here and there, but without a without a decision that I'm going to pursue this relationship, and then also with that a resistance and a pushing, the re- the relationship suffered, and. Um, I've I've been thinking about this for a while now and uh and this scripture that's just stuck with me for it's probably been at least a month is in uh James chapter four and um I'm just gonna read a couple verses here. James chapter four and starting in verse one. And it says, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually going gonna, gonna to read it in the NKJV. It's just a little bit simpler. But it says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you do not, or you ask, but you do not receive because you ask amiss. It's because you're asking the wrong thing is essentially what he's saying. And it says, you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
And then it says, it goes on to say, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? And then verse 6 says, For God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then this is a verse that's just stuck with me and just been challenging me for weeks now. Is draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so, um, you know, whether it's in whether it's in a relationship with a father, earthly father, or you know, a spouse for some, or child, I think the principle is is always the same that. If you expect that relationship to grow, you expect to see any any benefit from it, then there's going to have to be a a pursuit. There's going to have to be a a drawing nigh, a getting closer to right. You're going to have to pursue. But what's so amazing to me is this is I, I see it, I see it as a promise. A promise of scripture that if we are to draw nigh to God, the scripture is true and we can stand on the word of God that says he will draw nigh to you. And so, uh, you know, I might I might want to do my own thing or my, I might ha- think I have it figured out. But but at the end of the day, it, but but what I what I think about with this passage is that I haven't really noticed or maybe done as much as I should have is is the verse that um, came a few verses before that says, resist the devil, right? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And then instead of, you know, fellowshipping with the devil and the things of this world, being a friend of this world, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And so I, you know, I I don't by any means have it figured out, but I realized that if I if I want to have a closer relationship with God, of course it's going to take me drawing nigh to Him. It's going to take me pursuing Him, but it's also going to take me deciding that I'm going to leave some things behind, that I'm going to resist the desire of my flesh for some things, the desire of of this world that the world would put on me, and the things around me that have been that have just been accepted as a norm, and you know things that. That if we are in certain social circles, if we if we say no, I don't do that, I don't watch that, I don't listen to that, you know, you may be laughed at, ridiculed. But and again, I don't I don't always get it right. But I I'm at the point and and just deciding that none of it none of it really matters, right. <laughs> The, the opinions of of people, opinions of this world. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Can we just pray for just a moment? Jesus name. He Jesus' name, Father, we want to draw nigh to you, Jesus. Jesus, we want to draw nigh to you. Jesus, I've realized that there's some friends. In the world that probably gonna lose over over time if 
if they're not, if they don't decide to draw nigh to God with me, then again, there has to be a has to be a decision that I'm gonna I'm gonna resist those things and I'm gonna pursue what really matters. And um, I had a conversation with uh, someone recently, and then kind of talked about the same thing with my dad yesterday. And um, you know, the Bible says that it uses kind of the same terminology of something being enmity with God. Here it says that being a friend of the world is enmity with God, but uh, in, I think it's Corinthians, um, I think it's Corinthians, it says a carnal mind is enmity with God. And so what I realized, I just sort of had the the revelation of as I was having this conversation with someone kind of talking about, you know, friends and sort of the same thing. I, I had this revelation of, you know, there there's people in the world, but there's also people that are maybe a little closer to us that that maybe they're in the church sometimes, you know, and, and I, I, you know, we, of course, I, I don't think here <laughs> our church is perfect, right? But, but there's sometimes people in our circles or wherever that their mind is, is not going to be lined up with the Word of God. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the mind of Christ. And there's another scripture that talks about being, un, being equally yoked or not being yoked with unbelievers. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we can say, okay, so don't, you know, and a lot of times we talk about that verse with marriage, like you don't get married with someone who doesn't believe the same thing, right? But I think it's a lot more than that. And I think it goes even beyond someone who's an unbeliever or someone who's not or, or someone who even is in the church. Because if it's someone who's in the church, but if they don't have a mind of Christ, if they don't have the desire to get closer to Christ, if they don't, if they don't have this mindset of drawing nigh to Him and resisting the devil, then there's going to be an enmity between you and that other person. If your mind is a, the mind of Christ, if you if you have a desire to be a friend of God, and you say, you know what, no matter what the world thinks, no matter what my friends think, no matter even what my family thinks, in some cases people don't have the the support of their family, but they have to decide, you know what? And, and Jesus, he even said it in, in the Gospels that he said, I didn't come to, to bring peace. He said, but I came, to, I came to divide. And he realized that because of some of the decisions that some people were going to make in pursuing and drawing near to him, that there was going to be some mothers that divided from their daughters. There was going to be some fathers who the relationship with their son wouldn't always be good because of some of them drawing nigh to God and others' minds not being a mind of Christ. And so there being enmity there. Um, another, there's another verse that uh, is just kind of connected with this for me recently, and I f- finished with this. And it's in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Or it talks about faith, a really familiar chapter. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that without faith, it's, uh, I think it's actually this verse. Yeah, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. Uh, and it says, for he that cometh to God and that... That could be translated for he that draws near to God. He must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I had, I had this thought before service of if we want to exercise our faith every single day, which I think we should, I think we can. I think the simplest and, and most basic way to exercise our faith every single day is to 
say, you know what, today I'm going to, in whatever way I need to, resist the devil, and I'm going to try to draw nigh to God. And wherever that takes me throughout my day, wherever it takes me in prayer, I'm going to let it, the Spirit of God take me there. Wherever it takes me, you know, my job, whatever conversation it takes me to, whatever I feel led to speak to someone, no matter how daunting it may be, you know, talking about my faith, I'm going to act in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to resist the, the devil, resist the desire of my flesh or the world, whatever, and I'm going to seek him, pursue him, because I believe and I know that he is, and he also is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the pattern continues throughout all of Scripture, and even in this chapter, if you look in verses further, it, it talks about Moses and how he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, but he, he resisted the things of Egypt. He fled Egypt and decided that his identity was not going to be that of Egypt, but he was going to be identified by or as a child of God. He was going to be identified as a Hebrew. And, and then just even further, it, it, it talks about Christ and, and all these things and, and the fact that sometimes we have to suffer, suffer for the cause of Christ. Um, but it's, it's all worth it in the end. As, as we see in this chapter, we, we know that, that we will live with him and uh, that if we draw nigh to him, that he will, he will draw nigh to us. Amen. Why don't you pray with me again right now? Would you do that? Hallelujah. Come on, would you talk to the Lord where you are? Lord Jesus, we worship you. We trust in you. Father, our desire is close, enduring relationship with you. An abiding relationship with you, Father. To be knit together with you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the beckoning of your spirit upon our hearts be responded to in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It was mentioned a critical part of relationship is communication. Um, Joel also made the statement that at one season I probably was communicating a lot more than he was. Um, doesn't mean I was always communicating right. But I had determined something because I was the authority in his life. I determined even if he stops talking, I'm going to keep talking to him. I'm going to keep talking to him. I'm going to keep talking to him. I'm going to stay available to him. I'm not giving him a chance. I had that responsibility to him. And so I thank God for his grace and his goodness. Don't you? I, I want to take just a couple minutes tonight. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Would you pray with me again and would you ask the Lord to speak into our spirit? I'm not interested in him just marking our minds. I want him to reach into my spirit. Jesus, in your name, I need you. I need your word. I need the living word that comes from you. I pray, minister into our spirit as you desire. As you desire, Father. You know our frame. You know what is needful and necessary. You know the beginning from the end because you are Alpha and Omega. You are the author of our faith and you are the finisher of our faith. I pray, therefore, living God, speak into our spirit by your living word. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your word speak according to your wisdom and knowledge of our frame. In Jesus' name I pray. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Ephesians 4 verse 1. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. He's writing to the church about how they're walking. Then he tells them how to walk with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You ever feel like you forbear one another? I'm not always good, Brother Flowers, at forbearing one another. Is that too honest? Anybody here really good at forbearing one another? Uh, see, that's contrary to our human nature, isn't it? You ever have somebody get on your last nerve? Don't raise your hand. Brother, sister, gesture, you're killing me back there. <laughs> Forbearing one another. How? In love. In love. You know, I, I work with some people. I, I'm really not willing to put up with very much. Is that too plain? I'll just move on. We'll get stuff done. People I love, I don't feel that way. Love's a huge differentiator. Love's a huge differentiator. My wife and I, we've learned through 27 years, we forbear one another in love at times. That's what love does. Well, Paul is talking to people about ministry and he's talking to the body. And his admonition is that we walk worthy of our calling, but in doing so, he's also speaking about giving some grace to others in the body that are trying to walk in their calling. You understand, that's what he's expressing here. He's saying you need to walk with lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering. Well, you're not long-suffering for yourself. He's speaking of my relationship and walking in ministry in relationship to others in the body of Christ. Forbearing one another. Well, know this. Let's read a little further. Verse 3. Endeavoring. These are some pretty strong words. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. I used to think, you know, the unity of the Spirit, it's the Spirit. There'll just be unity. It's work some days. We have to purpose in our spirit to forbear one another in love, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, there's one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So he's writing all this. He's talking to the body about the work of the Lord through the body, the unity of the body, the relationships of one another in the body. Verse 11, skip down there. And he gave, the Lord, gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give these different ministries in the body? Verse 12. For the perfecting or the completion of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying. Everybody say edifying. For the edifying of the body of Christ. There's revelation. He did not give these ministries for the elevation of the man or the woman. He gave these ministries for the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ. So if I don't forbear another part of the body in Christ in love, or I don't endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, my ministry is not fulfilling his purpose which is the edifying or the building up of the body. Does that make sense? 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. That almost sounds like maybe he's addressing some that aren't in the unity of the faith. Is that possible? Of course it is. What makes them come into the unity of the faith? 
members in the body that example forbearing one another in love. Members in the body that example what it is to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What are we doing that for? Because we want to come in the unity of faith. We want the edifying of the body. We want to come in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Paul writes, he talks about this. He talks about some things where they used to walk. I want us to skip down. Took us a minute to get where I want to go for just a few minutes. Verse 23. Paul lays out all the stuff that ministry in the body is supposed to do in the purpose. Then he starts walking through the how and the what. And he gets into more detail. So he starts at the high level, and then he starts drilling down. If you read this chapter in context. Verse 23, he says, And be renewed, renovated, reformed, spiritually transformed. Take on a new mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on. Everybody say, put on. That's an action. Put on the new man, which after God is created. In righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, notice verse 25, putting away lying. Is he talking to the church? He must be writing to sinners here. He's addressing the church. And he's talking, he's still in the same context where we started at the beginning of chapter 4. One body, the unity of the body. The work of the Spirit, until we all come in the unity of the faith, the fullness and the stature of Christ, which is our design and desire as the body, right? To be, that Christ be fully formed in us. Put away those things. Put on the new man. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with whom? His neighbor. Why? For we are members one of another. Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You should read that in Amplified sometime when you have time. It gives you a whole different context to that verse, by the way. Watch verse 27. This this almost seems like it just got thrown in by accident here. Neither give place to the devil. What? I thought you were talking about what I was... He's revealing something to us. When I don't forbear one another in love, when I don't endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, I can easily give place to the devil. Where do you do that? Your thoughts. Starts getting. Now watch. We'll see what he says. Verse 28. There's a whole lot in here. I'm just flying over it all. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 29. This is where I want us to spend the last few minutes. Watch this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I mean, does he really mean that? What does no mean? None. I mean, does no really mean none? I mean, is this realistic? That the Apostle Paul would write to the church and talk to them about unity and the fullness of Christ coming in the body, what they were endeavoring for, And one of the things that he feels it's important to address is that let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. None? I mean, like, we're human. There should be an allotment given. I mean, sometimes I just need to vent, Brother Jester. 
So this must not be talking about when I need to vent, Brother Flowers. There should be a subnote in here. Except when you need to vent, then let corrupt communication come out. Choose who you need to vent to. Certain individuals can handle your corrupt communication. Is that what it says? No, this is a very... This is not a gray area here in Scripture. This is very direct by the Apostle Paul. Let no. No means none. Nada. There, bilingual tonight. Let no corrupt communication. That word corrupt is an interesting word if you study it. The word corrupt there means... um, Probably going to goof this up. The word corrupt there means of no use. Rotten. Spoiled. It's, it's quite the word uh, of no value. Let no corrupt communication. Communication is that there in the Greek speaks of thoughts and words. Don't let any corrupt communication proceed. Just simply means to go forth or come out of your what? Mouth. None. Now I'm going to tell you. Just in case you're feeling beat up. I have not figured this out yet. I'm working on this. I'm work- My family can tell you I'm working on it. I'm trying to get them to keep me accountable. I'm trying to help keep them accountable in our home. Because I'm going to tell you this starts in your home. Starts around the dinner table. Let no corrupt communication. Proceed out of your mouth. Now he was talking to the body of Christ. And he was talking about relationships in the body of Christ. That allowed the body of Christ to be strengthened. And come into the fullness of Christ. And so he addressed this issue of what came out of my mouth. I always admired my grandfather for many reasons. One of the things I admired about him. Is he didn't say much. But when he did. You wanted to listen. I'm getting older and I'm trying to learn how that works. Not there yet, Brother Tim. But I can honestly say in my life, I never, ever remember ever hearing him say anything negative about anyone. Ever. And what's interesting is I've spent time with my uncle, his eldest son who's now 80, will be 80 this year. And in all the time I've spent with him, we've traveled some together. I've spent time in his home. Uh, We've spent a lot of time working together. In my uncle, I can honestly say, I never heard him speak any word negative about someone else. I knew of situations where he had been wronged. And I would hear him mention the individual or individuals that had wronged him. And I never heard him say anything negative about them. I'm not there yet. But it speaks volumes about what the Lord can do in the body when we can learn by... Now, we can't do this in our human effort. If we were to read all this and take the time, we would understand this is a process of the grace of God working in us so that we become aware of what's coming out of my mouth. Have you ever made this statement and said, I cannot believe I just said that? Anybody besides me? Thank you, Sister Sandra. I appreciate that. Right? Yeah, you're like, did I just say that? Yes, you just said that. And no, you probably should not have said that. Well, I'm just going to speak my mind. And there's the problem. Well, I've got an opinion and I've got a right to it. And there's my problem. It's interesting. If you start digging and looking at this, the Apostle Paul addresses it in different places in Scripture. If you go look at James chapter 3, James deals with it a lot. And you look at some of those words. What's interesting about that word mouth in the Greek, it means one of two things when you search it in Scripture. It means the mouth... Or it means the edge of a sharp instrument. So what should be coming out of my mouth? That which is good. Good for what? 
Good to the use of edifying. What is edifying? That's building up. It's where we get our word edifice, a building from. Words that come out of my mouth should have the use of building up the body of Christ. So how do I measure that? Isn't it a pretty simple measure? What I just said. When I spoke with whomever, my wife, my children, one of you, a co-worker. Because my speaking with a co-worker is a reflection of the body of Christ. Whatever comes out of my mouth. Is it good to the use of edifying? Could I take what was spoken and it be used to build up the body of Christ? That's the measure. Why? So that it can minister grace to the hearers. The ones that hear it, hear grace. They receive grace. I want this to be in my life. I want the Lord to work this way in my life. I've been praying about this. I've been repenting about some things and asking the Lord to work in my heart in this area. I don't want any. I think Paul told. um, Timothy type. Paul told Titus when he wrote a letter to Titus. He made this statement. Titus speak evil of no man. Not good men. No man. Speak evil of no man. The writer in Psalms 19 said, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want my words... To be acceptable in his sight. Would you stand with me? I've. When I think about words that build up or tear down. I've had to do a lot of repenting. Asking of forgiveness and apologizing. Oftentimes to those that I'm closest to. Seems a little twisted, doesn't it? But my wife and my children, I've had to say, hold on a minute. Just a minute. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me for speaking that. Why? Well, they're going to do what I do. Right. If corrupt communication is proceeding out of my mouth to my wife, I'm tearing her down rather than building her up. If corrupt communication is proceeding out of my mouth to my. You say, well, they need to hear something. I'm not talking about discipline and instruction. You understand. I'm talking about is it used for edifying? My children are part of the body of Christ. Your children are part of the body of Christ. What do they hear? The words coming out of my mouth. Finally, the writer of Proverbs said this. We know this verse, but it bears repeating. Life and death. Where are life and death at? In the power of the tongue. In the power of the tongue. You're choosing words every day. I'm choosing words every day. I'm yielding to utterance every day. It's either corrupt communication that tears down. Or it's good to the use of edifying of the body of Christ. I want my words to be. It was said already tonight. I want them to be his words. I want the rhema of God to flow through my mouth. And when. When corrupt communication comes out of my mouth, I want to I want the Lord give me an awareness. God, give me an awareness the moment it make me aware, open my understanding so that I recognize it.
And let the love and conviction of God grip my heart. Because out of the abundance of my heart is where my mouth speaks from. Amen. Would you pray with me tonight before we go? Jesus, I thank you tonight for the privilege of being called by your name. For your grace that cannot fail. For your mercies that are new every morning. I thank you, Lord, for the drawing of your spirit and the knitting together of the body for each and every member. I pray your living word in our mouth, words that edify, words that build up, words that speak of you, words that declare your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your works, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Give us an awareness, an awareness of our communication, O Lord. I pray an awareness given of you as you heal our heart, renew our mind, cleanse our heart and our mind, that our communication be what you intend, that the body be knit in unity, that we come in the fullness and the stature of Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We trust in you. We stand on your word. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. I'd like us to agree together before we go tonight. Tomorrow, Vacation Bible School begins. Could we pray for the work and the will of the Spirit of God? Our, we're going to have, I think, over 20 students coming through. I want the Lord to have his way, don't you? I want him to minister. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord Jesus, we believe in what you're doing. We trust in how you're working. I pray, holy God, that your will would be done. I pray that your spirit of ministry would work through every individual that has given themselves and will give themselves over these next three days to minister to our children. I pray the work of the Spirit of God reaching into the lives of our children. I pray the ministry of the Word of God reaching into the hearts of our children. I pray your living Word, God, come alive to them. Speak to their lives. In all of the fun and the learning, I pray the marking of their hearts by the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, let your anointing be upon every teacher, every worker, every hand that is involved. I pray the anointing and the leading of the Spirit of God. I pray revelation and understanding into young hearts and minds that the will of God would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God.